This is Brother John Metter, and I'm so glad to be with you today, excited about what God is doing. There's a great stirring and awakening of the Spirit of God in people's souls, and I believe God is bringing a hunger back to people's hearts and back to their minds and their spirits. You know, I was talking last Sunday about the joy of the Lord, and I can remember, and it's been you know, right at 50 years since I came to the Lord, but there was such a joy that filled my soul of what God had wrought in my life when He saved me and delivered me, washed me in His blood. And there was just a joy and an excitement about serving God. People don't have that joy today, and it's time to begin to seek the Lord for that relationship in prayer and that joy to be restored. You know, the Bible talks about the joy of the Lord, and it talks about in Isaiah drawing water out of the wells of salvation. And I want to see the joy return back to God's people's, God's people's hearts and into their spirits. And this is why David made the statement that he made when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord, because he knew when he went to worship and praise and magnify God that the Spirit of God was going to descend down in his soul. You know, people in the Old Testament did not have the privilege that we have to enter into the presence of the Lord and to pray and petition God and seek the Lord for things like we do. They mostly went through the priesthood, and it was the priesthood that done the petitioning and the request and the prayers, but God has given us the privilege to come into his presence, to come boldly before the throne of grace, and I want to see God's people get that boldness back in them, come back to seeking God, come back to that relationship in God, and see the joy of their salvation restored, and I don't know how long it's been since some of you have uh, arisen on a Sunday morning or however you worship, wherever you worship, maybe it's a Saturday morning uh, or maybe in an evening service. You know, people seem to dread the services during the week. They're tired in body. Many of them have worked all day. They're tired in body and they don't really feel like going, but many will push past that physical tiredness. But I believe if we get the joy restored, can you remember back when you first came to the Lord and it didn't matter what was going on in your life, it didn't matter how tired in body you were, it did not matter how far you had to drive to be in a service and to feel that joy and excitement and stirring of the Holy Ghost in your spirit. And I believe we need this back. And I feel that God now is bringing us to a place that He is going <coughs> to restore the joy of your salvation. You know, the Bible tells us that the presence of God is the fullness of joy. And we know that if we begin to praise and magnify the Lord and we do it from the depth of our heart and our soul, that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And I am ready to see a working and a moving of the Holy Ghost that restores the joy back to a people and they serve the Lord with gladness. You know, that was one of the commandments, or that is one of the exhortations, I believe, 
that came forth in Proverbs, the third chapter, if I remember right. Uh, the Bible talked about serving the Lord with gladness. And people's lost that gladness. They've lost that joy. They've lost the desire to serve God. And everything now seems to be just a, a, a dread. And uh, I don't know, just they, they don't have that zeal. They don't have that hunger. They don't have that thirst anymore that they had. You know, um, can't find the one in Proverbs, but in Psalms 100, 100, it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye not? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us, and not we, are, and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and enter into his courts, and into his courts with praise, and be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And if you take that simple psalm right there, Psalm 100, one of the first ones we probably learned growing up in church, uh, vacation Bible school, things like that. But we read so many scriptures and many of them, we never take them to heart. But what about this simple Psalms 100 right here? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Are you glad? That God saved your soul? Are you glad that the burden and yoke of sin was destroyed off of your neck? Are you glad that you're no longer under that sentence of condemnation for your soul to be cut off from God? Are you glad for the goodness and the mercies and the blessings of God? You know, Paul wrote and said, till we come to know the Lord, we were cut off. We were alienated from the covenants and the promises and the blessings of God. When you walk outside of God's goodness, when you walk outside of salvation, your sins aren't covered with the blood of the Lamb. There's no reason for God to keep you and bless you because you are not one of His own. But once you come unto Him and repent of your sins and your sins are washed away in the blood of the Lamb and you are adopted into the household of faith and you become one, of those adopted children, that every benefit that belongs to a true child of God belongs to you because you are adopted in, you are grafted in to the blessings, the covenants of promise, the goodness, everything that God gave his true seed, he has uh, promised to you and given to you because now you have been adopted into the household of faith. You're just as much an heir as anyone else is. You're just as much an heir as the seed that came out of the master's loins. So God is being good to us. And he said, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. How long has it been, church? How long has it been, children of God, that you uh, may be in your home? that you just broke out in song and begin to praise and magnify the Lord, begin to honor the Lord for His goodness and His mercy and uh, His salvation. Are you grateful for your salvation? Are you grateful 
that your sins have been blotted out by the blood of the Lamb? Are you grateful that the handwritings of ordinances against you have been blotted out by the blood of the Lamb? Are you extremely uh, thankful and honored? And when's the last time you just broke out in song? He said, come before his presence with singing. Know ye, know and understand that he is God. And it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. And we are the sheep of his pasture. And then he turned around and said, Enter at his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. When you come toward the church, do you sing? Do you praise? Do you magnify God when you pull up on the church grounds? Is there a thanksgiving in your soul? Is there a praise that you praise God, that you have a church to go to, to hear the word, to feed your soul, to enter into his presence, to enter in with a group that wants to magnify and praise God out of the depth of their soul and out of the goodness of his mercies that he has bestowed upon us, do you enter into his gates with thanksgiving and you come before him in his courts with praise and be thankful unto him? For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth unto all generations. I'm telling you there is a restoring there is a restoring back to the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Since God spoke that word on August the 25th in prophecy at our last service in the meeting in Fort Payne, Alabama, August the 25th of this year, just a couple of weeks ago, God spoke in a spirit of prophecy in the church that the light uh, that was commanded to shine forth in the beginning was not natural light, it was spiritual light. That that darkness that was on the face of the deep was spiritual darkness. And when the Lord spoke and said, let there be light, there was light. Why? He commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He commanded it to be so, and he's not talking, go search your scriptures. He was not talking about natural light. He was talking about spiritual light. And if you check your scriptures, you will find, go ahead and read Genesis. And I believe it's down about the first chapter and the 14th verse, how God created the sun and the moon and the stars. And this was the fourth day. Look at it. And he said, and he called the light day. That's capitalized. And he called the darkness night. That's capitalized. When you have words like that capitalized in your scripture, it has a meaning mostly uh, of a of a power or a principality, and it's giving recognition to it. So uh, know that the natural light was not created until the fourth day. The natural darkness was not created until the fourth day. So in the beginning, when God said, let there be light, and there was light, it was the uh, spiritual light. It was that light that was going to shine through Jesus. It was that light that was going to shine in men's souls and in men's lives uh, and that light dwelt in the beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden because God walked with him and God is light. So it, it's time for a change. It's, there's, a, there's a regeneration. There's a stirring. There's a moving of the Holy Ghost that is turning men's hearts back to the faith 
that was once delivered to saints. There is a hunger arising in people's hearts, and they are asking God to reveal himself to them. You know, a lot of people, they say, well, I want God in my heart. I don't just want him in my heart. I want him to be made manifest in my mortal flesh. I believe it's how Paul stated it. In 2 Corinthians 4, he said that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. I want that life, that mind, that nature, that all that characteristics of Jesus Christ to, to be revealed in my life. I want his love. I want his mercy, his compassion. I want his forgiveness, his goodness. I want his understanding. I want the fruit of of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5, and I believe it's 21 and 22. I want that to be in my spirit. I want the very nature of the Christ to be revealed in me and for Jesus to live in me the way he did in the Apostle Paul. And Paul said, I believe it's in Galatians 2 and 20, he said, the life that I now live in the flesh... Everything that the church preaches, they tell you you're going to get it in heaven. I don't want it in heaven. I want it here. That's why I believe it was in Galatians. Let me get there to my scriptures. I believe it was there in Galatians, the uh, second chapter. Y'all give me just a few moments. And I believe it was right at the end of the chapter, somewhere around the 20th verse. I'm almost there. Uh, bear with me. I believe it was around the 20th verse. And I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Your righteousness does not come by the law. The letter killeth, but the Spirit maketh alive. It is the Spirit of Jesus Christ being imparted unto you, dwelling in you, walking in you, and giving you knowledge and wisdom and understanding of his word that brings in the joy of your salvation and the Spirit of righteousness and holiness. So Paul said uh, this life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. So Paul was talking about this uh, life that he now lives in the flesh. He lives it by the faith of the Son of God. And if you go to 2 Corinthians 4, which I was talking about a few minutes ago in verse 10, he said, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body, for which we live, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. What was Paul talking about here? said, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. He was saying we are always presenting our bodies unto the Lord, a living sacrifice 
that this carnal man, that this carnal mind might die because this carnal man, this carnal mind produces the works of the flesh. The Bible plainly tells us in Romans the 8th chapter, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And that is what Paul is saying here, for we are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us. What is the death that worketh in us? The death of the carnal mind, the death of the carnal nature, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the very things that Jesus told us in John 16 that he had overcome. He said in John 16 and 33, he said, In the world ye have tribulation, but in me ye have peace. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And then if you go to First John, the second chapter, and I'm not exactly sure of the verse. Hold on, let me get there. But you get to First John, uh, the second chapter, and he uh, talks about these things. And tells us what is in, uh, hold on, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I'm reading from 1 John, the second chapter, 15th verse, now I'm going to 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So Jesus was telling us that all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not the Father, but is of the world. So... Uh, he said, I've overcome this. I've overcome the lust of the flesh. I've overcome the lust of the eyes. And I've overcome the pride of life. He said, because these things are not of the Father. He said, and I won't. And this is what Paul was praying. I want that nature of Jesus. I want that mind of Christ. Philippians 2 and 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Are you hearing me? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And that is what we are looking for. We are looking for that mind. But you've got to press for it. You've got to pray for it. You've got to seek for it. You've got to study to show yourself approved. A workman unto God that needeth not to be ashamed. And the Lord dropped a scripture in my spirit last week. And uh, I want to share it with you. I brought it out in the church and I know many of you listening to this word, you believe in prophecy. And there are those of you that's been in the type of services that I uh, minister in or that I uh, have been around or you've been around, but you've had people minister to you by either the gift of prophecy or the spirit of prophecy and they've ministered to you about things in your life. They've ministered to you about callings, about anointings, about what God has chosen for you to do. And I asked the people last week, I said, how many of you 
have ever been ministered to that you're called of God or that you're gifted of God. And many people raised their hands. I said, okay, this is what I want you to do. If you can go back to it, if it's on tape, which many people, they'll get ministered to, they'll get the CD, they'll go back and listen to it. But I want you to write it down, and I want you to study those words. And when you go to prayer, I want you to remind God of what he ministered to you by this chosen, anointed vessel of God. Now, not everybody's chosen. Not everybody's anointed. Uh, when I uh, have somebody minister to me, I'm very particular and peculiar and picky about who I let lay hands on me. I'm not going to just let anybody lay hands on me. But if a vessel wants to pray for me, they've got to be proven of God. They've got to be experienced. They've got to be mature. They've got to know the leadership and the working of spirit. you got too many loose cannons running around here, caught up in emotion, immature, not gifted, just ministering out of their own heart. But my point is, if a word has been ministered to you by a vessel you know to be proven and chosen of God. And when I was young and coming up in the Lord, it took me uh, seven to eight years of God proving me and testing me and trying me before he began to gift me and before he began to let me minister into people's lives. You've got to know who labors among you. You've got to know who's walking with God. You've got to know that when somebody lays hands on you, their life is in order by the Spirit of God and by the divine order of God. If you don't know that and you're not in a place you're walking with God, they can impart a wrong spirit into you by the laying on of their hands. Know them that labor among you. Let them be proven. Let God try them and test them before you take their word. There's something that really... It just irks my spirit. It's a pet peeve with me. And that's people always running around hollering, Oh, man of God, oh, woman of God. Children of God, let me ask you a question. These people you're calling great anointed men and women of God and great, uh, have they been proven? Have they been through the fire? Have they had their faith tried to the breaking point? Don't go calling somebody a man of God or a woman of God just because they preach or just because they're called a preacher to the Bible. You might be called, but has your call been proven? Are you anointed by the Spirit of God, or are you caught up in emotion? Are you caught up in drama? Emotion is not the anointing, and drama is not the operation of the Spirit of God. you got too much emotion, too much junk, uh, too much drama in the pulpit today, and vessels uh, are not proven, and they're running around trying to minister. You call it a warning. You call it an admonition. You call it an exhortation. You call it anything you want to. But if you are out there ministering to people and your life is not in order and God is not speaking to you and you are giving wrong counsel to people and calling yourself uh, a man or woman of God or ministering in that capacity, uh, God will hold you accountable for wrong counsel. Uh, and I have seen souls shift. Shipwrecked uh, by receiving wrong counsel from vessels that were not.
not dedicated and proven and consecrated to God. I've seen souls shipwrecked and lives destroyed and ministries destroyed and set off course for years by vessels that just walk in a place where they wanted people to think highly of them and they tried to minister to them. And it's wrong. And God is now beginning to set it in order. But you've got to know them that labor among you. And so back to what I was saying. Get these prophecies. Write them down. Because Paul said in First Timothy, the first chapter, and the 18th verse, This charge I committed to thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou mightest by them war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. That is wise counsel to know how to receive, to holding faith and a good conscience, to do everything you can to walk up right before the Lord. Children of God, it takes years of walking with God and God teaching and God edifying for you to become gifted. You don't just give your heart and your life to God in a few months down the road. You're gifted and anointed and you're able to minister with the gifts or you're able to minister by the gifts. It takes experience. God has to try you and prove you and test you before he will bring you into a calling. You may be called, but that don't mean you possess the calling. So I want to encourage you to know them that labor among you. If you're hungry for God, find a proven vessel. Find a word that is tried, that is true, that is tested, and that has a testimony that their lives are clean and pure, and they are walking up right before God. You've got to have a vessel that has committed their life to a dedication and a relationship with God, and they walk prayerfully and sober-minded before God. This is where the matter I see that our time uh, is almost gone away from us again, but I want to thank you for listening. I really encourage you to go to our website, mansentfromgod.org. That's M-A-N-S-E-N-T-F-R-O-M-G-O-D dot O-R-G and find the service from August the 25th. Uh, there's also uh, a service there that will be September the 7th and the 8th. That's our last Sunday service uh, at New Testament Church in LJ, and also a service that I done and posted on YouTube. These all pertain to this prophecy of the light that shineth in darkness. They all deal with uh, the spiritual darkness that was on the face of the earth in the beginning. Go back and listen to this. Listen to the exhortation. Listen to the teaching and find out that a new working of the Spirit of God is now rising in the earth because one more time God has stepped down to drive darkness back from the face of the earth. He has stepped in to uh, put away darkness and bring forth light. There are too many people that are walking in darkness. And in Isaiah 60, when the Lord said, Arise and shine, 
For thy light is come, for darkness has covered the earth in gross darkness of people. He was telling us of a time that would come that when darkness would cover the earth, and there is a darkness on the earth, there is a gross darkness on people, and that darkness is sin, it's perversion, it's evil, it is the degradation, the depression, the discouragement, the disgust, it is all these things, the hatred, the envy, the jealousy, all these false religions, all these false gods and doctrines, it is coming out of uh, it's being brought forth by darkness. Darkness is on the earth. It's one more time on the face of the deep. And the only thing that will drive it back and stand up against it is the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, that Paul talks about in Second Corinthians 4. Go and get that. Go and listen to that. Listen to these services. And I want to thank you for listening. I pray this word is getting in your soul and that God God is beginning to restore the excitement of his word and his spirit in you. And we look forward to having you with us at this same time next week. May God bless you till our next broadcast.